Hey guys. Welcome to the Open Conversations Podcast with your host, Nicole Williams, lifestyle blogger, event planner, and communication strategist. And Rodney Carter, singer, songwriter, producer, and vocal arranger. And And together together we spark conversations around a variety of topics including lifestyle, career, relationships, business, personal branding, and much more. This week's topic is why embrace digital transformation with none other than Marva Allen, CEO of Wordy and co-founder of Survive and Thrive. Marva, um, thank you for um, deciding to speak with us today. Um, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Okay, it's my pleasure to be with you today, and thank you for inviting us and helping us get the word out. So I'm Marva Allen, and um, I'm a serial entrepreneur um, who started in technology way back, way back when. Um, no one knew what technology really was going to mean, you know, uh-huh. until today where technology is transforming the entire landscape and process yes. of how we do business. So, yes, definitely. Uh, yes. So we are, you know, currently I am working on my fourth, uh, actually fifth entrepreneurial project, which is called wordy.com. And okay. is is one of the places where we feel disruption in the publishing industry, as you probably yeah. know, outside yeah, of magazines. Sure. The traditional publishing industry has been very slow to figure out what it means to use technology to be transformative. They've used yes, it to definitely. be augmenting, but they haven't mm-hmm. used it to be transformative. So we've come up with a platform called Wordy, um, which is called, which is based upon Everything works. Of course, before it's on the stage, it's on the page, right? So Uh everything, every art form begins with words. And we didn't call it bookie or we didn't call it books. We called it wordy because that's what we believe it is. Um, You know, whether it's music, whether it's television, whether it's film, whether it's books, whether it's theater, you know, Uh the basis of that art is work, and that's where we focus. Okay. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if, for example, um, I'm working on a little book myself over time, you know, I finally got yes. myself to the point, instead of just dreaming about it, I, I finally decided to do it. So oh, for someone that. like me who is, okay, writing a book, how yes. would Wordy work for me as a book writer or author or somebody who is in the process of um, writing? Right. So, you know, so as a writer, you know you have a few options. You have the options of either self-publishing the book, you uh-huh. know, and of course probably because you're a writer, that may be a good option for you in terms okay. of quality control and so on. But yeah, yeah I do that with, I, I'm sorry, I do that with, because um, I have a planner that I created and I self-published mm-hmm. through um, Amazon, Create Space. Right. Through Create Space. So, you know, for for you as a writer, you know, I mean, that that may be an option, and it's, it's, it's a calendar. You don't have the distribution you should, and you probably found out that you had some issues as you go along. It's kind of mm-hmm. a, like a self-service kind of thing. You have to do everything, um, uh-huh. you know, and so on. And you go to the traditional publisher, and you get the kind of, um, at least, production support that you need, you uh-huh. know, to be able to 
on a long time frame before release. And so okay. what were the is we're a quality control. We're not a self publishing platform. Okay, platform. so quality control. Okay. It's totally quality controlled. And you know, we're veterans in the in the book business. So okay. you know, you have to submit your manuscript, you have to invest in yourself and you have okay. to be confident, right? And it of course okay. comes through. So you submit your book to us. Uh, you know, you pay the small fee for the review, and we decide uh-huh. whether your book is good enough to be on our platform or not. And if okay. it's good enough to be on our platform, we will assign you to an editor, to a design team, and so on, and they will work with you to get the manuscript in whatever shape it is that we feel it is now 100% quality control to be released on our platform. So if you have to have okay. editorial, fact-checking, development, okay. design, all of that. Once you submit the manuscript, you work with your design team, they get it all done. You don't have to decide what size your book is, where it's going to be laid out, how, what the running head looks like. That's all happens like it would be in a traditional publishing house. Okay. And, that you, would, and how? Mm-hmm. What, what, is, what is the time frame between how long would a process like that take? Um, six to eight months, usually by the top okay. of eight months, your book is being published with, you know, so we go through the entire process, group reading, the fact checking, the, you know, everything as you design, the layout, the color schemes, the whole nine yards. And because okay. in publishing, we know these data, you know, and so on. So from the time we say to you, okay, you need this, this, and this. And this is what it's going to cost you to publish the book through us, right? And then once we publish the book for you, you know, we distribute it through all the platforms in ebook format to Apple, to Google, to, to Kobo, to Amazon Google, also. To, to Amazon, we do to Amazon, we do to Amazon, but Amazon has some special criteria in terms okay. of the number of books you sell before they pick you up on the platform. Um, okay. Through, through Smashwords, but we also will just put it up on Amazon independently. So yes, Amazon as well. We're also working on distribution of the hardcover copy to the largest distributor in the world, Ingram. Uh, you know, so that for people, we're basically an electronic platform. We do everything okay. in technology. But if the author wants to have hardcovers of their books, you know, we okay. Look, that's absolutely permissible. We do it. We ship it. We we support them. We get them speaking engagements. We do. We, awesome. We, we get them events. So we're like a traditional publisher, just online, mm-hmm. and our formula is split. So you okay. pay us and to, to, to manage your publishing process. But then on the back end, you make the large percent of your royalty. So instead of your 15% royalty that you would get with a traditional house, with us, because we don't pay you an advance up front, you get okay. a 50 to 60% royalty on the back end. And you manage all of that through what we call your dashboard, uh-huh. um, which, is, which is something that no author ever gets from a publisher. You know, you can okay. see how yes. many books you have. So minute by minute, you can see how much money you have made minute by minute. So you're in the loop of everything. So you're in the loop of everything. You can know exactly who your demographic audience is and where they are 
so that you're making better marketing decisions about how to spend marketing dollars, and you're able to release your own royalty check whenever you're ready. Yeah, now okay. by the push of a button. So, you know, we make everything really, really transparent, and that's transformative. That's not just right. one mention. That's a transformative. Transformative, right. So you guys yeah. are embracing the chain, not not sitting back and say, you know, letting it die. You guys are using um, embracing technology to help advance um, book writers and stuff. Because of course, one of the things, of course, um, the whole idea of tech is disrupting a lot of um, a lot of industries, the status quo and stuff. And with that, I mean, of course, we have Kindle and um, eBooks and all that stuff. And of course, I'm sure the book industry is um, taking a big hit. So it's awesome that you guys are embracing it rather than fighting it because you can never be, you know, I mean, this is the trip. This is where it's going. Right. And traditional publishing, you know, they're big Fortune 500 companies. They got to show bottom line. And so mm-hmm. they are, so writers like, like you know, traditional writers aren't even getting contracts. You know, it's moving more and more towards a celebrity type author with uh-huh. platforms and so on. So, so, so new and creative writers, you know, the the Harry Potters of the world would never, you know, I mean, they were self-published initially. Yeah, you know, like my um, like myself. I mean, for me, yeah, I'm thinking, exactly. ah, I'm not saying I'm gonna self-publish because I'm already. I was like, let me get into writing, but now I was yeah. like, okay, through platforms like CreateSpace, I'm thinking, okay, so you know what? Right. Let me get writing because now I have the opportunity. I have a planner out there that is. Um, I do a quarterly planner, and it's been do. It's starting to do pretty well. So I was like, you right. know what? That whole idea of writing that book, and let me just finally get on top of that, and you know, right. having platforms like this to help. Um, but I think a lot of people are scared that the whole idea of with technology and book publishing. So you see mostly eBooks. So most people are not really because they're feeling like the tech industry is going to basically um, disrupt the, the whole book book industry in a whole. Well, it is. It is. And whether, you know, and traditional public, hard to move the elephant. You know, it's hard to move the elephant and to turn the elephant. And, you know, taking a bite at a time with technology-aided platform where we're building a total community. So whether you're a musician or you write plays or you're, you're a filmmaker or or you're a book writer. If you're if you use words as a basis of your art, our platform is like a community. I mean, that's what we're building. We're building okay. a community of total support for our authors, right? So, I mean, our author comes to us and we publish them. They start trending on our platform, and we go to them and say, "Hey, you're doing really well. May we consider giving you a television show?" You know, okay. because your readers are responding, or if your book is doing very well, may we create original content around your book? So kind of think okay. of Hamilton, Hamilton as the ultimate worthy property, where okay. it started out in theater, it spawned two albums, it created a film, a TV miniseries, four new books, you know, and a, and a Broadway show. Okay, I mean, uh-huh. we, shouldn't, we shouldn't silo these things so that you only have one avenue because they can go across platform and yes. really empower the author, you know, and that's Definitely. what we're about. Yeah, you know, putting the power back in the hands of the author and not in the hands of the publisher. Definitely. Okay, so so as a, what, what is it like being an, um, a woman in tech? What is it like being a woman in tech? So I'll 
tell you, I was in tech in 82. Okay. <laughs> That's with um, USI, right? Yeah, with USI, yes. And that we were probably one of two. At the time I was in tech, Carly Fiorini, who became the president of Hewlett Packard, was the secretary at Hewlett Packard. Okay. <laughs> That's how long. When I was in tech, um, Steve Jobs was just coming to the market with Apple. Multiple. I was, a, I, was, I was probably a toddler. <laughs> I know. You were a toddler. <laughs> You know, so I think that's what gives us an advantage to be able to see this. Multiplan was just coming to market, you know, mm-hmm. so all of us were trying to figure out what is the tech thing. I was probably one of two, about a handful of women in tech at the time, and certainly probably um, two of us, my sister and I who owned the company, were probably two of the only people of color at that okay. point in time. So we have seen tech move and mature. And being mm-hmm. able to see the panoramic view of how tech uh-huh. can change processes, I think that's why we were able to create Wordy. We have a panoramic view of tech. We have a panoramic view of publishing. You know, so you put these two 360-degree processes together, and you end up with Wordy. Okay, you know? awesome. So, yeah, being a woman in tech is, um, as you know today, it's still very much not a lot of women in tech, you know, but there's yes. not a lot of women as CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, you know. Uh-huh. So, so I mean, for women in tech who've been in tech for a while and seen this trajectory, you have a lot of information, you know, that mm-hmm. you need to pass on and pass down to, to, to the younger generation about how to effectively, you know, manage technology as a distribution as a platform as a tool and not necessarily as the as the only answer okay uh, yeah know. and we're definitely going to get into that a little more towards the end but yeah. um um following that up um have there ever been a moment you know that you have questioned your decision to become um an entrepreneur um you know uh, i became an entrepreneur by default uh, okay. I went. I was on my way to medical school. And, you know, I was pre-med. I was in University of Michigan. I interviewed um, for medical school about six months pregnant, and uh, on the seventh month, my son was born, and that's what changed my trajectory. Actually, for oh, doesn't a doesn't having <laughs> children change your life? I mean. It's, I mean, I look at it. I mean, change is for the better, you know. But it does impact the decisions we make when we find out that we're going to be parents or we're going to, you know, yeah. have yeah. to take care of these brand new lives because that's what impacted the way I shifted, also. Exactly, exactly. And you have to make a commitment. You've made a commitment to bring the child into the world, and it is your job as a parent to do the very best you can. And when my son was born in seven months, which was premature, you know, I decided that uh, he, I could not continue on with medical school, meaning four years of medical school and then four years of residency, mm-hmm. not knowing if he was going to be a special student or not. Uh, uh-huh. Fortunately for us, he was not. He's fantastic. He's a great financial analyst. He's put marvelously, but you couldn't make that decision as a parent. So my other choice was mm-hmm. to go to corporate America. Um, when I finished, I went back to graduate school to do an MBA, but to go to corporate America 
or to start our own business. And at the time, technology was the big buzzword, you know. So I banned myself, you know. I figured, you know, look, if I go to corporate America, I'm going to get a 3% cost of living. I'm going to get a gold watch that may not be gold, you know. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to end up with maybe retirement, maybe social security. But if I bet on myself, I can only lose if I give myself permission to lose. Yeah, and, uh, and so that's how we ended up on the cusp of technology. I was a biologist. <laughs> you know. Okay. And then so, you started USI, which was yeah, what, a multi-million dollar tech firm? Yeah, many, 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 many millions, yes. Awesome. Yeah, and, uh, and, and again, it's, it's really about grit and commitment and belief in self. That's what entrepreneurs Oh, de- oh, definitely. It, it really is. It really is. I don't think you can have a weak mind and be and be an entrepreneur because it yeah. it takes a lot of out of you. I mean, I think if anything, it shows you how strong you are or how weak you are. Yes, yes, okay. yes. It, it makes you come face to face with yourself and your limitations. It sure does. Uh, so, being a parent, I mean, how did becoming a parent, or how does being a parent, you know, parenting, um affect how you approach business? You know, how do you, you know, how does being a parent affect how you, you know, approach being, you know, a businesswoman? So this is the reason that I could go and and finish medical school because I needed to be in control of my son's life and I need to be in control of my time. So as a businesswoman and you're you're the CEO or the president or the executive vice president or the co-owner, you, I brought my son to work, so he grew up okay. in the basement under my desk. <laughs> okay, <laughs> on the lap while you're doing the computer, trying to keep them quiet and do everything. Exactly, exactly. I think that's why you're such a genius mathematician today. Probably fell out of the computer into his head. But, you know, <laughs> I, I was, I was determined that I had to have control over that, and so you know, for many, many years. My son, until he went to preschool, he would come to the office with me every day, uh, you know, and that's how I managed that process. And then yeah. by the time he was in preschool and he would, and so on, I would get him and he would come back to the office and he would, you know, figure out. So it's like, it's like the theater mom who brings the child backstage. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I was that kind of a mom. And he grew up. In my office. <laughs> I, I think being moms, I mean, especially being a mom, I think that kind I mean, I think if you're a mom, that makes you good business owners. I think moms make great business owners. I mean, we have to juggle so much. We are, we're doing everything, you know. Um, we are cleaning diapers and we're doing this and we're having to feed and we're having to make appointments. I mean, we, we juggle so much. Yeah, yeah, we're master, master time managers and organizers and strategists. Yes, yeah. definitely. I read, yes. um, okay, so I know you, you men bookstore. I mean, that was an independent African um, American bookstore. Um, yes. tell, tell me about that. So, so you know, I have, after your time, we ran your time for 25 years and we sold the company. Um, mm-hmm. And I sort of, then our company was in Michigan. I moved to New York. It was my intention to apply and to go to Columbia University to do an MFA in writing, especially where my heart was. That was my passion. 
And if I were brave enough to, to be honest with you, to, to endure poverty, I would mm-hmm. have stopped with being a writer. <laughs> you know? I okay. That, you know, that, that does not happen in my family. You're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're an Indian. Uh-huh. So we speak. So, you know, you had to make a decision. So when I felt as if that I had made a great contribution to the world for a company, I decided to make a great contribution to me and move okay. with my passion. Of writing, my son had gone off to school, and um, you know I just thought I I could do this, and I ended up going to this bookstore that had just opened in in Harlem um, called Human Bookstore, and okay. it was opened by three women. I think the wife of Patrick Ewing, uh, Rita Ewing. Um, uh, Johnson, who was also the wife of another Knicks player, Larry Johnson, and this other woman who owned a bookstore in Denver. And it, they were about eight months into the bookstore, and they uh-huh. realized that they were not business people. Yeah, now okay. So they were having a really. So I walked in there to actually sell them my two books that I had published. And uh, on another book of a uh, of a gentleman called Melvin Van Peebles, um, that okay. was also published, and uh, ended up that the woman from Denver asked me if I would. I, I left her a package, and on the package, you know, had been several articles written about us in Black Enterprise and all uh-huh. of these, these trade magazines. So she called me and she said, you know, we really would could use your business expertise. Would you be interested in? and coming in to consult with us. And I said, really, no. Uh, <laughs> really, no. Wow. Being in the right and, place at the right time, right? I know, you know. And I left and I went to Sweden for about a month, and I came back, and my my voicemail was completely chock full of this woman asking me to come in and so on. So I went in and I took a look around, and I had to go to here. They had lifestyle, you know, and so on. Mm-hmm. But they really didn't know how to scale a business. And, I mean, you know, the business is going to be doing, you know, some larger number than she's ever done before. She had a lifestyle business before. Okay. And, you know, and you have to you have to have process. You have to have process. You know, and yes. I caution every entrepreneur, when you start out, imagine yourself to be a Fortune 500 company and set all mm-hmm. of your processes into place, financial controls, operational controls control, supply, demand, purchasing, inventory, and understand where you're, you know, for a book business, inventory is the biggest liability. You know, so you have 500 or a million dollars sitting on your wall, you know, you have to be able to turn that and move that or create ways in which those things happen. So I came in as a partner, unfortunately did not go to Columbia. But for the next 10 years, we ran the business. It was a huge success and, uh, you know, had real national concern. We did a strategic alliance with Hudson News where we had 100 human satellites around the country. And, That's awesome. And so on. Yeah, and so on. And in 2012, when I looked at the state of the book publishing industry, I realized that in its iteration, those days were numbered. And that the look of delivery were also going to be numbered. And in New York City, you have to sign a 10-year lease. So I decided yeah. against that. I decided to close the physical bookstore. 
to keep the online. To take it online. Uh-huh. And to take it online. And, and human exists online today. Yeah, and that's yeah, being man. able to um, turn, like you said, um, work with the shift, being able to for um, to foresee the trend and be able to act with that. Right, right, right. Okay. Exactly. So when I left you, man, my vision was to say, <laughs> what is the bookstore of the future going to look like? What is the little yes, delivery exactly. mechanism of words going to be? And so yes. that's how we ended up with wording. That's awesome. But um, also, when you tell me that story about how you walk into the bookstore to, to sell your book, to, to, you know, to offer them your books and then come out, um, you know, being partner, <laughs> that to me reminds me of a post that I put on Instagram. It says, you know, that I found that when you allow your passion to become your purpose, eventually becomes your profession. That's right. That's exactly right. And, you know, and I believe, you know, I always say my life is, is all about serendipity because mm-hmm. I don't believe I would have been able to come out with a wordy had I not spent 25 years in tech and just spent uh-huh. um, 16 years in, in books or 10 years in books or whatever. I would be able to see as an author, as a bookstore owner, as a publisher, uh, you know, because we have a traditional publishing company called Open Lens, you're able to see 360 degrees of what the process of publishing and how it affects an author from from every angle. But I would never have been able to see the technology platform part of it. Uh, you know, awesome. so without having so I think I think I needed to do that for the confluence of events that are happening now to happen. So there are no accidents. You go with it. Yeah, you, you gotta know, go, you go with, with it. it and walk through the door, you know. So, so I believe it has prepared me for what I think will be my greatest legacy. Okay, and um, why do you think some of some brands or some businesses are missing? You know, well, well, before I ask you that, um, mm-hmm. of course, with the tech, um, why why does why do embracing tech at this point matter for especially mom and pop businesses? Well, you know, you remember back in the 80s, there was a guy called uh, Toffler, I believe his name was. He said, you either embrace change or you go down with the fall, okay? I mean, just think backwards. I mean, technology is just another part. We had agriculture, right? We used to ride buggies and carts as a means of uh-huh. transportation. We don't do that anymore except for entertainment, right? Because cars uh-huh. came mm-hmm. into being. So we moved yes. from an agricultural age to a manufacturing age. Now we're moving into a technology age. If you do uh-huh. not accept the mechanism of the large 80% culture, then you can't possibly survive. Okay? Uh-huh. It's called adaptation. It's like, think of it in a biological term, it's survival of the fittest. Right? So yes. if you are unable to meet your customers, I mean, look at generation whatever they're called right now, Generation Me, I need everything now, this minute. Yes. I call, I call it, I call it the, uh, um, I call it the, the, the toddler uh, thing, me. I want it now. I want it now. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. you, I have a four-year-old, and no matter what she wants, she wants it now. She can't get that understanding that, no, you can't get it now. That's right. This is the undemand generation that is, that is moving on. You know, they are, they 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 have the attention spans uh, not a lot, and so if you can't if this is your customer base and you can't deliver and you can't see your customer base five to ten years out, 
You know, I mean, you used to be able to do all those predictive indexes. You can't even see a day ahead. <laughs> what's going to happen? And we're looking at mammoth companies like Uber, for example. Uber came to market what in 2012? Yeah. Or 2012? Yeah, I think. Airbnb, something in that year. Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, they're only what five years old, billion dollars. Yeah, they're company, baby, right? Yeah, but they also have faltered publicly. Right? Because, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. very easily, too, Uber could be out of business. But Uber is the biggest transportation company with zero Around inventory. Around the world. Right. Yeah. With zero inventory, right? No liability uh-huh. at all. So from a cost-effective point of view, technology is a must-adapt. You know? Yes. I mean, Airbnb is the biggest hotel industry without a house. <laughs> you know, without a hotel property. You know, so you have to look at the way things are changing and adapt to that so that even if it's your tribe, technology will help you find and narrow your tribe to the people who are going to support you. And you can ignore everybody else because they're never going to support you anyway. So you yes. can then better spend your dollars in the right places. You can mm-hmm. you can give them a high-touch feeling of what you want um, them to yes. experience with your brand. You have to use technology. You don't really have a choice. Yeah, and especially with micro moments. I was speaking to Sachin that we were talking about micro moments and how right. you know brands um, need to embrace that and figure out how to succeed in a micro moment world. And you know, I was giving him the example of right now. I said I'm back in school, and now mm-hmm. this semester we're not using traditional plastic IDs. We're using right. um, mobile digital IDs on our phones now, and you know, it makes sense because whenever mm-hmm. I have to show my ID, I'm digging into my bag, but right. my phone is always in my hand. Right. Right, exactly. You know, and, and, and plus, imagine the cost effectiveness of that, right? Yeah, because they're no longer yeah. having to print um, those plastic IDs. I mean, it's exactly. saving us a little change. And then all they have to do is they're just transferring it to, to their app, which is on the phones that we are already carrying. There you go. So, you know, there's a Okay, so let's talk a bit about Survive and Thrive. Yeah. You know, you you and Sachin, you guys co-founded Survive and Thrive. And let me tell you, I'm still looking forward. I'm going to be there on the Saturday, and I'm still looking forward to it. I'm kind of excited. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. And and I know that is a boot camp for mission-driven entrepreneurs. Tell me a little bit about that and tell me how – yeah, tell me a little bit about what Survive and Thrive is. Survive and Thrive is an intimate uh, boot camp um, on a 300-property camp, literally a camp, you know, where people come. Yeah, I saw that on the website. Yeah, and they're going to sell both. They're going to swing from zip lines, but not not without purpose. All of those Uh gamifications that we're creating are simulating some part of business, right? So, 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 so that in turn is that 360 degree panoramic view of what mm-hmm. entrepreneurship is. So we'll have uh-huh. mentors there who will, you know, who entrepreneurs can go and talk to about what is the best um, way to form a company. Should it be a C company? Should it be uh-huh. a, a, an S company? They'll talk to uh-huh. attorneys. They'll talk to marketing people. They'll talk to branding and strategists, financial people, and so uh-huh. on. They'll get cutting edge information from speakers such as Jesse Isler 
and speakers such as Kevin Harrington and the incomparable Susie, Susie, okay. Susie Carter, who took Lisa Nichols' company public, right? Okay. You know, and then you have, um, again, we have this intimacy of creating joint ventures and having people know each other so an investor can see you beyond a seven-inch, seven-minute pitch, right? So yeah. they're watching you for three days perform. They're looking at your leadership skills, your stamina, your management team, your ways of making decisions, how you problem solve. You know. Okay. You oh, so you know what's making sense to me as you're saying that? I'm thinking about the whole idea about the camps and the different activities. Because yeah. at first I was wondering, what the heck? You know, I mean, okay, business, but I was trying to tie it together. But now it's making sense because as business owners and as entrepreneurs, we have to be quick on your feet. Situations are going to come up, and you got to figure out how the best way to attack it and stuff. Absolutely. And it's all making sense now. Being out there in, in, in nature, it's making a whole lot of sense now. Yeah, and, and so this is an interview, so you'll see, and then the investor will see you. So here we're putting in front of <coughs> um, 20 Silicon Valley investors who are going to be living in camp with you. You oh, know, who are okay. observing you. Who are you going to be pitching to? And then they're going to see you beyond the pitch because they have watched you for two and a half days, climb, yes. climb the mountain, you know, swing the zip line, problem solve how to build a boat and sail it on the ocean. Yes. You know, uh, how you treated your team members while you were doing that and all of that. Yes, so you yes, on the yes. Jockey. So you're now betting on the jockey rather than some PowerPoint presentation, right? Yes, you know, yes, so yes. So we're giving them a real opportunity to win. And I think yes. everyone who comes to Survive and Thrive will leave. Maybe you need a partner. Maybe you need a joint venture partner. You know, yes. maybe you need some board members. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you need a mentor. You know, you should be able to leave Survive and Thrive With and quantify something. one year from now how it does impact your business positively. Oh, definitely, definitely. And then, of course, with the whole with the whole idea of dis- digital transformation morphing from just a trend to a central component where modern business, um, when it comes to modern business strategy, I know yes. as as business owners, make um, you know, being adaptable is pretty um, vital to success. Being able to adapt to different things, different situations, different surroundings. I know that is is vital, and I guess with going to survive and thrive, that's that's aiding that shift. That's exactly right. You're able to see many entrepreneurs, and I've been an entrepreneur long enough, and I teach entrepreneurship. You know, Mm -hmm. they they get very, very siloed, Uh especially if you're a technical entrepreneur. And you realize uh-huh. that, and I said, no, you've got to look at the, at entrepreneurship as your entire body. Your head is connected uh-huh. to your neck, is connected to your shoulders, connected to your arm. If you remove yeah. your neck, your neck, your head doesn't go anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> all, it's all a continuum, and you have to look at business in exactly the same way. How do I prolong? You know, mm-hmm. how do I prolong my cycle? How do I preserve my distribution? How do I make sure that if I want, if I'm going to stay as an entrepreneur, for example, that I'm going to go for investment dollars? Well, you know, uh-huh. you should not, you should not be an LLC. You have to be a C corp, and most likely, uh-huh. I'm most likely incorporated in the state of Delaware because angel investors will only 
invest in Delaware Company. Oh, is that true? I never knew that. Exactly. VCs will invest in other kind of companies, but also what does it take for you to attract a VC? What is your exit strategy? What If you're going to sell your company, what are the things that you need to look at when you're building the business? So if you're building a lifestyle business, it's completely different from trying to build a business that you need to, you want to sell. Because, you know, there are formulas for selling, you know, twice sales, five times sales, or ten times yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so you need to know what to preserve within that. Definitely. You know, so that you're maximizing that. So that's what we want. We really want to empower mm-hmm. our entrepreneurs to start out like you're a Fortune 500 company, build your house to scale. Whether you scale or not is a different story, but always build your house to scale. Awesome. Always build your house to scale. See, the thing about it is I haven't even gotten to Thrive and Thrive yet, and I already learned that angel investors will only invest in LLCs incorporated in Delaware, and I never knew that. I'm incorporated in um, in New York. So that right. is something for me to think about um, to um, going forward. That's okay, right. So where exactly. the – where does Survive and Thrive take place? I know you said it's a camp and stuff, but where? It takes place in Kent, Connecticut at Club Getaway, uh-huh. um, which, is, which, as I said, is a 300-acre pristine property with a wonderful lake. People will be in camp. They'll be in cabins together two at a time. They'll get to know each other. They'll walk away with friends, you know, and they'll walk away with a closed Facebook um a Facebook place where they can go to ask and have their questions answered even after. Um, okay, awesome. So, so we're building. So you you're creating a place that. for us to continue to connect. Right, exactly. You have a question, you know. I mean, you have a question about something. You can put uh-huh. that right in your Facebook thing because there'll be mentors, investors, other partners. You know, um, joint ventures could come out of this. You may find somebody who's a perfect fit for you. You know, you might find that CEO you were looking for. You know, Mm -hmm. but it has to be be small and it has to be relatively intimate. Otherwise, you lose lose the purpose of what a... What What it was meant for. Right. What a startup and a lifestyle entrepreneur needs. Okay, that's awesome. There are other conferences that are better for other people, you know, Uh if you're trying to exit. But this is for lifestyle entrepreneurs making $250,000 or better and for people who are generating revenue in a startup. Mm-hmm. Not, for, so, not for so much. So, yeah. so I better be counting my blessings. I get to be there on, on, on Saturday then. Okay, you tell you, right? <laughs> See, but, but see, this this is what happens when you follow your passion. You never know, you know, opportunities land, and it's not only that, but you got to be, you know. For example, when you talked about walking into that bookstore, it, um, if you weren't prepared and if you weren't ready, even when you didn't feel like you were ready, when you walked in and left your package, you would have never gotten that call. So we have That's to be prepared, and we got to be ready to step into it, even when we are afraid, just to do it anyway. Because what it's happens true. is, you know, sometimes. All you have to do is start. You never know, and you just need to say, you know what, yes. You know, say you yes. just need to say yes. Just need That's to say right. yes. Exactly okay, so we're gonna, so we're gonna round up, round up. But before we do, um, as we as we round up, what I want mm-hmm. you to do now is, 
I want you to give us five reasons, you know, and, and you'll give us five reasons and expand on each a little bit why, um, you know, why businesses should embrace, regardless of the business, whether it is an author, a book, um, the mom and pop business, the local, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of it, even as just um, somebody who doesn't even have a business, who just, whether you're looking to grow yourself career-wise, and um, because it's important, personal branding has become a big part, especially in this um, in this thing. Why should we embrace digital transformation and um, to, um, to to help us succeed? Five reasons, and expand on that. Okay, the first one is you have no choice. It is the dominant it is the dominant delivery mechanism system in the age in which we live. It's technology. Just like manufacturing mm-hmm. was in the 80s and the 70s and the 60s, today's technology. You are not able to compete unless you understand and are using some level of technology. Technology mm-hmm. allows you to scale faster your business and to exactly reach the people who are relevant to you. So you can gain some time using technology by closing down the noise of everything else and just finding your track, right? Because uh-huh. you spend five years trying to, to throw enough mud against the wall, hoping someone, some of it will stick. Yeah, see what will when stick, you, yeah. When you can use tools like, like Facebook and Instagram and social media to find exactly your audience who will spend money with you, right? So you can cut your time, you can cut your time to developing your audience significantly. Managing uh-huh. managing cost. Technology improved efficiencies. You know, it re-engineers processes and tech. And therefore, you are able to look at uh, a cutting cost. For example, let's just think about entrepreneurs, for example, and why co-working spaces are doing so well. And uh-huh. why are co-working spaces doing well? What is, what is the trigger point for that? One, it helps entrepreneurs manage costs. You have an mm-hmm. idea, you're going out there and you have a $10,000 a month rent to test your idea where you may have a $459 chair in a co-working space that allows you to to reduce your cost by $9,000. How is that not going to move you further yes. along? Mm-hmm. Then you have like-minded people. You have a community of like-minded people who you uh-huh. can bounce ideas off, Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so community and collab- collaboration is becoming the new competition, right? And technology uh-huh. allows that. It allows huge collaborations without, for example, on Wordy, we're not necessarily using everything we develop for our ambassador program. We use a collaborative mm-hmm. product that is synergistic with ours, right? So right. they help our business and we help their business, you know, but we don't have to exchange data. You know, about the core of our business is we're just enhancing. So if you're not yes. doing that, you're not made in the same. And the fourth Definitely. thing. Yeah. The fourth thing, uh, maybe that was four. The fifth thing in, in, in terms of technology is that um, technology changes so fast. I mean, you know, um, there's something in technology called Morgan's Law. Which used mm-hmm. to be information doubles every eighteen months back in the in the early nineties. Now information uh-huh. doubling every two or three months. Okay, so mm-hmm. you can't possibly keep up. 
So what you have to do is learn how to manage technology and not allow technology to manage you. And okay. So we can spend a lot of time on social media, a lot of wasted time that we should be spending on our business. So just because technology is there, not all of it refers to you. Yeah, you can suck your time. Yeah. Right, right. Find out what is pertinent. <clears throat> Find out why you need to use it. Quantify why you need to use it, and then use it to the benefit of your of whatever it is that you need to use it for. You know, so so it allows you to parse information very very quickly, and it allows you to disseminate information very very quickly. You know, it also allows you to put out what you had for lunch. <laughs> you know, and, uh, I Instagram. Know, so use technology wisely, but it is here to stay. It is only going to move further and further in shorter and shorter periods. So mm-hmm. you might as well embrace it. Definitely. Okay. All right. So to wrap up, I'm going to just give you a couple of, a couple of fun questions and. Um, yes. What is your one beauty must-have? Oh, my Korean face mask. Okay, your Korean face mask. And yeah. uh, what's the name of that? My Korean face mask. It's called Korean face mask. Oh, yeah. Korean face mask. Okay, that's yeah, what keeps like you looking so young and fresh. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and who? And who is your style icon? Who is my style icon? Oh, my God. I am so not into fashion in that way. But okay, let me tell you, if I were Lady Di. Lady Di, okay. If there was anybody who would have been a style icon to me, it would have been Lady Diana. Yeah, she had impeccable style. She had impeccable okay. style. Yes. All right. What advice would you give to your 23-year-old self? What would I give to my 23-year-old self? Yeah, what advice? I would give them a peek into the future to just say you're going to be fine. Keep going. Okay. Keep going. And last but not least, what is the most important lesson that you have learned over the years? The most important lesson I have learned over the years is to say yes. It's to say yes even when you feel like saying no. Okay? Okay. And and to, uh, because when you say yes, you do a couple of things. You confront your fears, which is false uh-huh. evidence appearing real. Uh-huh. You know, head on. Okay? Because your tendency is to say no to things that scare you. Uh, you know, and so if you say yes to the things that scare you, you're confronting uh-huh. your fears, and then you're mm-hmm. just becoming stronger and stronger. That that's definitely true. Yes, and and that's something that I've learned over the years. You know, mm-hmm. if you face it, you realize. Um, um, last week was it last week? My my newsletter. I think um, Will Smith has this video. Um, it was an interview that he talked about. Um. Basically, everything, the best things in life is on the other side of fear. That we spend so much time, when he talked about that jump, you know, he he went on um, an airplane to dive to do, um, what do you call it, dive, and the whole time, Mm -hmm. the night before sleeping, worried about 
everything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you talked about, the, you know, when he finally was up there, they'll tell you they're going to push in three, but they push mm-hmm. you in two because they know if they push in three, you're going to grab. But then right. when you are taking that dive, he's like everything in that moment, you forget about everything else because it's the best thing in life, that feeling, that everything. And then you right. get down and you realize, what was I scared of? All I had to do was just do it. Exactly. Just do it. You know, just do it. And, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time, be prepared, you know, because the higher up the mountain you climb, uh-huh. the higher the altitude, the oxygen gets less and less. So you have uh-huh. to learn how to go the long distance and prepare yourself. Prepare yourself, uh-huh. but say yes no matter what. Yes, definitely. So, you know, we end with that. No matter what, say yes. Right. Confront your fears. Okay, it was awesome talking with you, and I'm so looking forward to meeting you up by Survive and Thrive. I am so, so looking forward to that. I I am getting myself already prepared. I mean, you know, I wish I was going to be there the whole weekend, but you know what it is? I'm going to take advantage of what I have. You know, you you work with what you got so you can do better. And so I'm certainly going to take advantage of that, and uh, I am going to make sure that I'm prepared. And I'm looking forward to being there, and I'm looking forward to meeting you and Sachin. Yes, thank you very much, Nicole. Thank you for your support in helping us to get the word out, you know, and and to to give us, you know, in these last three weeks, uh, an additional push and for for helping us to get the word out to our audience. We really appreciate it. You are so welcome, and thank you, and and continue to do the work that you're doing. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Open Conversations podcast. Share your thoughts, leave a note, or ask a question in the comment area below. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share us on social, subscribe, and leave an honest review on iTunes to help us move up in the charts. Until Until next time. time.